Hi everyone, welcome to my podcast. I'm Najee Nirani with Porchlight Realty. Today's guest is Zach Fleischman with Secure Choice Lending, and we're gonna talk about home loans. Zach, thank you for being here. Um, so we're just gonna start with introductions. Um, I wanted this to be educational and as accessible as possible. So let's assume for this one, the viewer, the listener, wherever they're listening, they have no idea what a mortgage is. Perfect. So we're gonna, that's, that's setting up the level, level of expectation for anyone who's listening. Um, yeah, so tell us about yourself. Awesome, well, thanks for having me. Of course. Um, and like you said, I'm Zach Fleischman. I'm a loan officer at Secure Choice Lending. Um, I've been in the real estate and lending space for about 13 years now. Mm -hmm. um, I've done a little bit of everything, but as of January of this year, I shifted back into origination. So back to talking about mortgages, talking to clients, working with agents, mm -hmm. um, which I think is probably the most fun side of lending, more so than the underwriting processing and yeah, all of that. Yeah, I mean, agent, the real estate agents are fun. Let's, let's just be honest. hundred percent. <laughs> as long as you're always available for them, they're yeah. very fun to work with. Yeah, I mean, we, we have to, it's just the job. I feel like your phone has to be glued to your hand. It's, I, before real estate, I would not respond to anything. Like, phone would be ringing. I'm like, ah, if, if they want to say something, if it's important, <laughs> they're going to leave a message. But now it rings once and I'm like, who is it? Najini Rani. <laughs> Immediate pickup. You have yeah, to. Yep. Immediately. Let's start. What, what is a mortgage, basically? Perfect. So a mortgage is essentially a loan. It's just you borrowing the most money that you'll borrow at any point in your entire life. Definitely. Um, to purchase a home. So it is obviously the reason the bank is willing to lend you this much money is that they do have rights to your house. Say something were to happen and you couldn't make your payments. It is backed by the house, the property, which is okay. why they will give you this much money. But that's all it is. It's okay. just you asking the bank to borrow money to purchase a home. Okay, simple enough. And um, so there are two, we hear that there are two types of lenders. There's a mortgage banker and mortgage broker. Uh, can you explain to us what the difference is between those two? Yeah, so bankers versus brokers is if you're in our world and in the lender world, it's always an argument of who's better. Um, they both have pros and cons to them. I'll never shy away from that. There's definitely advantages to being a banker and a broker. Mm -hmm. I myself am a broker. Um, in the broker world, our biggest difference is that we get to work with an infinite amount of investors. Mm -hmm. So the people that are actually lending the money we have at Secure Choice Lending, we have over 50 options of banks that we can take it to, depending on the scenario. So if you have a first time home buyer versus a VA client versus an FHA client, someone with low FICO, like whatever the scenario may be, we get to shop and find like the perfect box to put it in. Okay. Um, bankers. They run everything directly. They have their own underwriting. They are the ones. It always goes through the same process, and they're lending their own money mm -hmm. instead of uh, partnering with a bunch of different investors. So advantage that they have is they have more control over every transaction. Um, disadvantage is if it doesn't fit in their perfect box, they either have bad pricing or they just can't do the loan. So we have more flexibility on products and pricing. Okay, I see. So... um. They, they do, you said they do everything themselves and that is, that is the advantage that they have more control over it. Mm -hmm. um, can you elaborate on that? What does that mean exactly? So if you need to talk to an underwriter in the file, you have a question. Um, mm -hmm. 
when you work with a banker, chances are that underwriter's in office with you. You can just walk down the hall and go talk to them. Or you obviously have like their cell phone number. Like we said, it's glued to, mm-hmm. our, glued to our hand at all yeah. times. You can just text or call. Um, when you are working with different investors, you have to develop that relationship at each investor. Now, if you do enough volume and you send enough loans, you do start to develop those relationships, but mm-hmm. just you have to understand they are a bigger machine. So yeah. there are more hands in the pot. Um, but yeah, once you're doing a certain amount of volume, they pick up your calls just the okay, same. Okay, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, because I mean, I, I work with Zach and I've never had any problems. I, I can vouch for that. I've never had any <laughs> problems reaching Zach or his team. Um, they're amazing. So yeah, that is uh, the difference. Um, so which one's better though? I know you say there, there's a debate, <laughs> yep. but... Well, I, I um, I'm in the broker world, so, yeah, I, so I made the choice. I had options to go either way. Okay. Um, I think that the client is first. So mm-hmm. if I have to do a little extra work and harp on an investor and push a file a little bit harder to meet timelines, but it's yeah. going to get my client a better deal, a lower rate, a lower payment, I'm picking that route ten mm-hmm. out of ten times. Definitely. Right. So uh, tell us about the pre-approval process. Awesome. Pre-approval process is. I like to call it homework because that's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. It is homework to the client and it is the process that is, it sucks. Like I've been a part (laughs) of it on my side of things, organizing my file as a client to submit. It's not fun, Mm -hmm. Um, but there is a huge difference between being fully pre-approved and just getting a quote unquote pre-approval from a lender where I can have a conversation with you, understand your scenario and do some simple math on my phone and be like, okay, she's pre-approved for 600000 Like, mm-hmm. I can guesstimate. And then there's how my team and I work, where it is the homework. We are collecting all documents up front. We are verifying all assets, all income, treating it as if we're submitting it to underwriting. Mm-hmm. That is a full, full, full pre-approval, where once we get into escrow, you're done with your work. Um, that is why we like to do it up front, is once you get into escrow, you have enough to worry about. You got to pack. You got to move. You got your agent sending you all sorts of shit. Like you don't want to deal with the lending side. Mm -hmm. So we knock it all out up front. But that's what our version of a full pre-approval is, is we've collected all documents and have basically underwritten the file. Okay. Um, And when you say underwriting, um, can you elaborate on that? What does that mean? So underwriting is what the bank does, the investor does to your file. So the biggest thing is since the 2008 crash is where it all started and everything changed to a more strict underwriting Mm -hmm. back in the day if you wanted a loan i would call you i'd be like hey how much money do you make a month like five grand a month like "Ah, let me ask you (laughs) how much money do you make a month oh uh, ten thousand like perfect and that's what i would write down it would be stated there'd be no verification no nothing and they'd give you money which is why a bunch of people foreclosed Mm because they couldn't afford it now you have to collect pay stubs W-2s, tax returns, you need proof of past employment and proof of continuance before the bank will give you money. So that process of determining is your money, quote unquote, good money, um, is the underwriting process. Okay. So that's what the investor is going to do before they allow us, before they give you the loan. So we just do it up front as if we're them. So by the time we submit it, we, they, it only takes like 10 days for them to okay. give you the green light. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it makes it much easier, honestly, because uh, a lot of clients I've noticed they come to you and they're like, you ask for pre-approval and they say, yeah, I'm pre-approved, but it, it's not a pre-approval. It's kind of pre-qualification, mm-hmm. uh, which 
Yeah, I, I was going to ask you to explain the differences, but I think you kind of did. Yeah, um, that's that verbal. Yeah, exactly. That's the verbal guesstimate, mm -hmm. but you don't really know what's going on. And how long does it take for someone, let's say they do, they're really good at doing, doing their homework, they give you every document that you ask for, how long does it take for you to pre-approve them? Once all the homework is submitted, to stick with that <laughs> metaphor, there's no reason it should take longer than 24 hours for okay. anybody to get back to them. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Hardest part is collecting all the documents by far. Okay. And um, I know you talked a little about what documents are needed, um, but can you just put, put that in order? Like what documents? So I know you said W-2s, proof of employment, um, past employment. So how far back do you go for this employment? So two years. You need a two-year work history. Um, the amount of documents that are collected greatly varies on what they do for work. Mm -hmm. But your simple hourly or salary employee, very short list. You need your most, um, two most recent pay stubs, your two years W-2s, and two months bank statements. Okay. And that's it. Very simple. Um, it's once you start getting into the self-employed, I own rental properties, I own part of companies, I'm a silent investor over here. Those get a little more complicated, but that generic w-2 job very very simple okay so uh when you say it gets complicated let's say someone is self-employed as all of the real estate agents yep. <laughs> all of us are uh what would someone who's self-employed need to get pre-approved tax returns at that point i mean if you're a sole proprietor just you like a real estate agent you get your 1099 you file it you don't have an llc a corporation anything mm -hmm. like that it just comes down to tax returns um, because the biggest thing that, and this happens with real estate agents the most, not putting you guys in a stereotype, <laughs> um, but it's the amount of income that you claim is what the bank is going to lend on, not necessarily the amount of income you made. Okay. And again, this is for conventional financing, not the non-QM stuff. We can talk about that if you want, mm -hmm. but um, it is, it's basically what you paid taxes on is what the bank is going to give you credit for. So I get a lot of real estate agents. I made 200 grand. Why can't I buy this house? I'm like, well, because you wrote you off 150,000, so here we are. <laughs> because you didn't show it. Exactly. You didn't tell Uncle Sam. <laughs> 100%. So now so. you can't get a house. Um, so basically two years of tax returns. Mm -hmm. Okay, showing. And what if they do have an LLC? How, how does that one work? Is that different? You'll get, it just depends on how you file. Um, if it all is ran through just your Schedule C, your sole proprietor, we just need your personal returns. But once you start to get into business returns, 1120Ss, and just all the different documents that either hopefully your CPA, but probably TurboTax told you to, um, to file, we'll just need to collect all of that. Again, when you're trying to borrow this much money, there is no hiding is the biggest thing. And a lot of people think like, oh, if I just send this in, like they won't notice. Like, no, the bank will always notice. Yep. So just turning everything over up front is the easiest path for sure. Makes sense. So you said tax returns and pay stubs and all of that. Do, is there any amount of money off, of course, in terms of percentage of the purchase price mm -hmm. that someone needs to have in their bank account in order to um, get qualified? Or is it just the pay stubs, just the, because, I mean, the down payment has to come from somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, do, do you prove that before you get qualified or 
is that afterwards we do like i said everything up front you want to get it ahead of time and yes you will need to prove to the bank that you have these assets and again there's that two month everything's in twos two years two pay stubs two months worth of bank statement so it needs to be in your account for two months and seasoning for you to be able to use it um, and you do need the minimum down payment for a first-time home buyer three percent um, okay. there are you will see advertisement of like one percent down conventional loan programs mm -hmm. Those work in across the country in certain areas in a high price point like San Diego. The math just doesn't math for you right there, and it won't work out that program. So 3% is the lowest you're going to see in San Diego. Okay. Um, and then there's closing costs. Closing costs are somewhere between 1% and 2.5% of the loan amount, depending on the type of loan that you picked. So you'll need proof of that. Now, all of that can come from a gift from a family member, and gifts don't need to be sourced. But up front, when we're doing our due diligence, we will always double check and make sure that you have the money. We don't want to get into escrow and realize okay. we can't close. And the money has to be in the account for the past two months at least, correct? Correct. Okay, so to just um, summarize that, let's say I have a like regular job, mm -hmm. W-2s, tax return. You need two years of tax returns. Uh, the pa last two pay stubs. Mm -hmm. And um, to be, the money has to be your, in your account for the past two months, proving mm -hmm. that you can cover the down payment and the closing costs. Almost perfect. Okay. If you have what a did I miss? Regular W-2 job, you do not need to provide tax returns. That's the self-employed oh, okay. business owners. We'll need the last two years W-2s, your last two months pay stubs, and your last two months bank statement. Okay. I That's see. Yep. I see. Okay. And the tax return is for self-employed correct okay i see makes sense okay now what can someone do uh to get approved for a loan if they don't have a job let's say someone they had a great job they saved a bunch of money they can afford it and um they want to get a mortgage but they're retired so they don't have a job to back it up what can they do is there any way for them to qualify there is definitely, there's always a way for someone to qualify if that big point that you made, they have a bunch of money saved up. So that is the big thing. If you have enough money to put down, almost anything is possible. So with a retired individual, if hopefully they're collecting some sort of pension or retirement, mm -hmm. that's an option. That counts as income, social security even. So all of those count as income streams that we can use to help qualify. How much will that qualify for will be the trick. Um, so let's say it only qualifies you for 400000 but you want to buy a $900,000 house. The simple math idea is bring in $500,000 as a down payment if you do have that much saved up, and now your mortgage is low enough that your income qualifies for it. Um, that would still be conventional. If you're willing to go non-QM, creative financing, not qualified mortgages, you could do a whole interview about those because there's so many options. But you can do anything. There's programs that are even to the point where if you put 25% down, they don't verify income. Oh, they wow. don't care about a job at all. You're going to take a higher rate because of that, but they'll still let you buy the home because you have so much skin in the game. You have 25% down. They're willing to lend on it. Um, there's other programs that will go just off your bank statements, off your P&Ls. Again, you're not retired in this scenario. You're working. But let's say real estate agents, you write everything off, but your bank statements show more income. Mm -hmm. You can go off of that instead of your typical tax returns. Like that. Okay, I see. 
So yeah, sounds like we're gonna have another full episode for the absolutely um, non non QM. Is that what you said? Yep, non QM, hard money, private money. If you have money, there's always a way.、Um, okay. Another reason, like the wholesale, the broker world is so fun. Like I'm not stuck in a conventional box. I get to go talk to all these different、mm. lenders that are willing to get a little bit more creative and flexible with their. I、guidelines. see. That's awesome.、Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I'm guessing my next question was, what if someone has a job overseas and they can't even prove an income here? What box would you put them in? There are foreign national loans.、Um, if you are not an American citizen, if you're an American citizen and you make all your money overseas, you're reporting it back here. So you're filing taxes, and if you're not, you're back in that non-QM. <laughs> let's go bank statement world. Okay.、Um, but let's say you're not a citizen of the country, but you want to buy a home here. There are foreign national loans.、Um, it gets a little bit tricky if you have your ITIN number, if you're a、um, permanent resident alien, non-permanent. Like there's different programs for each one of those scenarios. But yeah, you can still definitely buy a house. Right. And、uh, next question: What sets local lenders apart from big banks? I love this question. This is a great one.、Um, in a refi boom, well. Big banks is big banks versus、um, small like independent bankers plus brokers. There's a whole other world about that with speed. Big banks are just slow.、Mm-hmm. So and you know and you can talk about this as a real estate agent. The market is very competitive here. So you have、yeah. multiple offers on every single home.、Um, what is helping people win the deal is shorter contingencies. You're able to close quickly.、Mm-hmm. But the most important thing I think about a local lender is two parts. One, the relationship with the listing agent. It's a small world out here. There's tons of agents in San Diego, but like the top five percent have most of the listings. Yep. So chances are we already know them. They're already in our cell phone. We're texting them, and we have built a rapport where they know we've closed on time. They have confidence because as a listing agent, the worst thing that can happen is something falls out of escrow, and you got to go through all that shit again to get something else started. So they want to have confidence in their lender. The other thing is we know the area well, so when we're talking to your client, it is not like just straight numbers. It's like, oh my gosh, you're buying that house in Poway. That's so cool. I grew up there. Make sure you go check out this park or the farmers market、mm-hmm. or something like that. It makes the client feel a lot more at ease. Yeah, definitely. Yes, as you, as you said it, you couldn't have said it better. It's so competitive right now that sometimes it literally comes down to what lender you have. So if Um, it's happened before that a listing agent has two offers. Everything is the same, but they would go with the one that's a local lender. Hundred percent of the time, I would do that, and any any agent that I know would do that. So definitely, I I love this question. And whenever someone comes to me and they say, "Oh, I am pre-qual pre-approved," and、uh, I ask, "Well, who's the lender?" Bank of America, like, uh oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, nothing against Bank of America, but、mm-hmm. I mean, it's just big banks, you know. Like, someone's working there; they want to go home at five,、mm-hmm. you know. And especially if there's a time difference, and escrow is closing tomorrow, you have a question. Good luck with that. You, yeah, you're basically、Absolutely. screwed right there. For a refinance, I'm a big advocate of go where you get the best deal. 
because a refinance can take 60 days and it doesn't matter. Okay. Um, but yeah, in this purchase market, if you aren't working on the weekends or you can't yeah. close, honestly, it feels like everything's in 14 days now. You can't do that. You're going to miss out on an opportunity. Definitely. Um, so you, you, you talk about refinance. Uh, I was going to ask, what is the process of refinance like? And when you say it takes 60 days and it doesn't matter, I, I could not agree with that more because competition, competition, competition. A lot of people are just waiting to buy a house when they can buy right now because the interest rates are high. Mm hmm I'm, I'm not going to say anything about that. I'll, I'll let you, I, I think you can explain it better. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? The should you wait until rates go down? Yeah, should you wait? And, you know, because, I mean, you, you know what my answer is. Mm -hmm. Don't wait. Beat the competition. Mm -hmm. You can refinance later. So Absolutely. I guess talk about the refinance um, for people who are just waiting. Maybe it'll give them more confidence to. Mm -hmm buy now and refinance later. Absolutely. So a refinance, just to the top level, the process is identical to a purchase. So everything that you're going to need to collect for a purchase, you're going to need to collect for a refinance. The difference is you're the only party involved. It's your schedule. You can take two weeks to send something back. It doesn't really matter because there are no sellers involved. Mm -hmm. um, also, if you delay, it's not like you miss out on the house. You still own the home. So a refinance is significantly less stressful for sure. Um, and it is at that point, it is let's go get the lowest possible rate, the lowest payment. So to answer the question of should you buy now and just refinance later or wait, 1000% I'm saying you should buy now. And this is speaking from someone who's currently in escrow. I am buying in this market. We're selling our house that has a 2.75% interest rate and we're buying a house at a 6.75%. So like I feel the pain, I get the difference. <laughs> but if we were to wait until rates got anywhere near the twos again, I don't think they will, but let's say they even get to the fives. The value of that home that we're buying is going to shoot up. I actually just saw an article um, that Zillow put out that they think between June and June, we're going to see another like um, burst in home prices where we're going to see another 10 to 15% increase. So just that alone, waiting six, eight months could cost you $100,000 on that purchase price. Mm -hmm. um, the price that you buy your home for is locked in forever. So if you wait, yep. it just gets more expensive. Um, and then when you refi at those new rates six months from now, but $100,000 less, your mortgage will be cheaper than it would be if you waited to buy the home. Um, and yes, I do think that people also don't realize how often you refinance. Yeah. So in a market, we just, and it's because the last six or seven years, the market's been going down, 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 and we kind of bottomed out. People haven't really seen like a, a little peak like we have right now, but you will refinance your home as often as you possibly can for the next four, five, six years and chase that rate down. Okay. There is zero downside to refinancing your home. It's a free way to lower your payment. So you will always, always, always do it. Okay. Is, is there a waiting period to refinance your home? Six payments is preferred. Um, there is no like legal for the uh, client, for the homeowner. There is no like law that says you can't refinance after one payment. Um, the reason everybody asks and says it's six is just for our job. Um, if you don't make six payments to the investor that we sold your loan to, um, they didn't have enough time to recoup the cost of doing the loan and they will then come collect that from the loan officer. So we always ask six payments, but no, there is no like set law that says that you okay. can't refi 
X amount of time. All right. Um, that, that's great. Yeah. And uh, talking about the prices going up, I think what a lot of people don't know, and I don't blame them, why would they, you know, they, they don't see this every day, is that interest rates go down 1%. A lot of people are waiting for that. So it gets even more competitive. And there's a bidding war. So the prices, everyone, so when you see a house on the market for 1 million, you're not going to buy that house for 1 million nope. because <laughs> there is competition and there are people who are saying 1.2, give it to me. Yep. So that, that you can't do anything else, no. anything about. But as you said, refinance, refinance, refinance. Absolutely. That's a great option. And not only the price, but the chances of you winning the home. So like you can go find the home of your dreams, but now instead of competing against two or three people, you're competing against 15 to 17. Yep. Chances of you getting that home of your dreams are much lower. You're probably on like your eighth dream by the time something gets <laughs> accepted. Right now you have a chance. I have a ton of clients first offer accepted. Mm-hmm. Like you definitely have that opportunity in this market, but yeah, the longer you wait. Exactly. Exactly. Like when, when agents say, oh, buy now if you can. I feel like everyone's a little suspicious. Like, why are you are you looking for your commission? I'm like, well, that that's fair. I am, but all of these facts because there are always, as you know, there are always people who need agents. There are always mm-hmm. people who are buying and selling houses. I gain nothing from like pushing someone, and you can't push someone to really buy a house. It's not like I walk into a mall and I see something and the salesperson is just, they just convince me. They're like, ooh, how shiny. You should yep. buy this now. And I buy and I go home and I'm like, I, I did it anyways. It, it, it doesn't work like that. But um, anyways, yeah, buy now if you can and refinance. Couldn't agree more. Um, so are there any uh, special loan programs available for first-time home buyers? Yes. So every loan program is special for a first-time home buyer, and I can kind of talk about why. But then there are also down payment assistance programs um, through CalHAFA. A lot of it, again, in San Diego is tough just because the average income in San Diego is so much higher than a lot of cities. And you have to remember, they make these programs for statewide. So you're taking into consideration, and I apologize to these cities, but you're taking into consideration like Bakersfield and Visalia and like Blythe and like all these little Mm -hmm. farm towns. Um, It works out there. Here, it's a lot harder. It's still possible, and it's definitely something that we'll always look into, but it is, there's income restrictions on all of them. And a lot of the clients I talk to, they simply make too much money to get the down payment assistance. Um, But with that, why I say every loan program is a first-time homebuyer loan program is, and without getting too deep into it and too nerdy, um, when it comes to pricing and what your rates look like, there are things called LLPAs for us, loan level pricing adjustments. So it is, if a FICO is a certain score, there's a ding to the pricing. If the debt to income ratio is too high, there's a little ding. If the loan to value is too high, meaning you didn't put 20% down, so you only put three or five, there's a little hit to pricing. Mm-hmm. For first-time homebuyers, all those pricing hits are waived. So you're getting top-tier pricing as if you're a 700 FICO, 20% down. When you're a first-time homebuyer, you have access to that just because they want you to get into the market, trying to encourage people to buy their first house instead of letting investors gobble up everything. So yes, first-time homebuyers always have an advantage. Okay, that's awesome. 
And um, so let's talk about the Dream for All program mm -hmm. that I've heard they're bringing it back. Last mm -hmm. time it lasted how long? A, a week? Like two and a half weeks. Something two like and a half weeks. Okay. <laughs> I mean, not not that long. Um, for whoever doesn't who doesn't know is it is the Dream for All program is the zero down payment program. Correct. So they are bringing it back. Can mm -hmm. you talk a little more about that? Absolutely. So they'll cover up to 20% of a down payment and they legitimately just give you the funds for that. Right now when they bring it back, they're um, rolling out 200 million more dollars, I believe, and don't quote me on this, but I think it was 400 million the first time it rolled out. Could be wrong there, I can't remember. But 200 million coming back. The caveat to this is nothing is completely free. We obviously know that. When you go to sell your home, the state of California, the state that lent you that money to buy it, is going to share in your equity. So they are going to take a portion of that equity gained from you. Um, my biggest thing with the Dream for All is if it is the only way you can get into a home, use it all day. Mm -hmm. If you're just trying to save a little bit of money out of your pocket, but you can, let's say you had 3 or 5% down, but you just want some free money from California. I am hesitant to point people in that direction because of the amount of money that you give up when you go to sell it. For um, sure. California knows it's a great investment to invest in real estate. It should also answer any question of, should I buy a house? The state is legitimately trying to buy their own houses because they know it's <laughs> such a good investment. So yes, you totally should. Um, but yeah, if you can avoid using it, I would try just for the long-term gains. But if it's the only way you can get in, it's one of the coolest programs ever. And um, what do you have to have to um, qualify for that? You have to take a class. There's like, uh, you get a certificate. Um, it's a CalHAFA program as well. So you can log on to their website and there's a class that you take. And once you have that, you are eligible for it. Um, to my knowledge, and I didn't do one of these, there are no income um, restrictions to it. It oh, just wow. can't be for an investment or a second home. It has to be for a primary residence. Okay. Um, I also believe it has to be for a first time home buyer. Okay. I see. Um, so about the, we go back to payments and down payment. How reliable are monthly payments on websites like Zillow and Redfin? Because it, it has happened a lot that someone looks at that monthly payment and they're like, oh, I can afford this house. And then when they get pre-qualified, pre-approved, they find out that they can't afford that house yep. and they get mad at the agent and the lender. Uh, can you talk a little more about that? Uh, so those websites, you can't forget their sales websites. They're trying to get you to click. They're trying to get you excited. Mm -hmm. So that payment does exist for a certain box. And most of the time they are 800 FICO, 20% down. And they're actually charging a little bit of origination. Like they're calculating that in to get the lowest possible like floor rate. So no, is that going to be your payment a majority of the time? Absolutely not. Um, but it is, it's a decent ballpark, but just understand that it is 20% down. So remember that only 80% of that purchase price is what you're seeing there. And remember what you just talked about a little bit ago, just because that's the list price, it's probably not selling for that. It's going to be exactly. 5 to 10% above that anyways. Mm -hmm. So there's a few factors. Um, but it gets you in the ballpark. I also think those don't take into consideration um, insurance and HOA. They do take into consideration taxes when they do that. But um, insurance in California has skyrocketed recently since some of like, the bigger insurance providers are pulling out. So that's expensive. Plus, if there's HOA on the property, they're not including that. Do lenders include that? 
Absolutely. Okay, I see. Another question, it's, it's a random one. Sure. So we see sometimes some houses on MLS as cash only. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? So because when you get a mortgage, when you um, use a lender, don't the seller get the same amount of money? Why is it that some people insist on cash only? Honestly, usually when it's a mortgage, you're going to get more money. Like cat, people that have cash think they're going to get a discount. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. I think that a majority of the ones that I see, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you're more time on Zillow than I am. The ones that are cash only are typically not able to be financed, meaning mm-hmm. that house isn't going to pass appraisal inspection. So yep. I see a lot. Of, I've seen some with fire damage, with water damage, missing mm-hmm. floors, like just they're usually run down fixer uppers, even tear downs that people are just trying to get rid of. And the reason it's cash only is because that is actually the only option that you have. A bank won't lend on it. The last question, does it cost anything to talk with a lender and get pre-approved? To talk to a lender, it costs absolutely nothing. Honestly, to work with a loan officer like who I am is completely free. Mm -hmm. Um, The person that pays us is the bank. So when you are paying um, discount points or underwriting fees or title and escrow, they are going exactly where it says it's going to go. And when Mm -hmm. you get your loan estimate, you'll see the full breakdown. This is paying underwriting. This is paying a processor. This is paying the bank. This is paying title, escrow, all that. We are paid by the bank for essentially bringing them the business of you as a client. All right. Uh, I think that's a great place to conclude this. Of course, we're going to come back for another episode for the, all the non-conventional ones Absolutely. because <laughs> it, it, it deserves its own episode. Uh, but lastly, do you have any advice? Like if you wanted to give the viewers or the listeners one advice as a lender um, to people who are thinking about buying a house, what would it be? 100% it is pay attention to when you talk to a lender, pay attention to your payment. If you are comfortable with your payment, you are making a good decision. Uh, For some reason, houses are the only thing where people talk about interest rate. When you talk about your brand new car, everybody asks how much does it cost? (laughs) When you talk about your credit card, you ask how much you owe. Nobody's ever like, oh, I'm on a 6.99, 72 month on my car or 21%. No, it's all about monthly payments. Mm -hmm. Treat your house the same way. If you're comfortable with five, six, seven thousand a month, move forward. It's always going to get cheaper over time. Um, so don't get hyper-focused on it. I know that we can't not talk about rates. They are tougher. But if you're comfortable with that dollar amount, buy the house. You'll never regret it. All right. Well, thank you again, Zach, for being here and all the information. And we'll see you on the next episode. Absolutely. Thank you so much.